These lads are mental, recognises the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation as the custodians and traditional owners of Sydney. We pay respect to their ancestors and elders, past and present, and value their continuing connection to lands, living culture, and integral contribution to the bright and inclusive future of this beautiful city that we call home. How many hours per day do you meditate now? For me? Yes. 24 hours. Well, Adelaide researchers are hoping to prove that a daily dose of meditation can permanently alleviate stress. They're investigating the ancient therapy to find out exactly how it's helping people cope. Researchers have known for decades that meditation can improve someone's physical and mental health. Meditation is easier than you think. Begin by getting into a comfortable position, whatever that looks like for you. Whenever you're ready, lovingly close your beautiful eyes and begin to allow your awareness to drift inwards. On this week's show, we've got the amazing Andrew Marsh. Andrew works with athletes as well as general population. Marsh is a really interesting guy because he practices in Vedic meditation. We haven't actually tackled meditation on these lads are mental to date. So the really interesting thing about meditation is it also places a lot of stigma and also breaks down the stigma, just like we do with mental health. So it's a really enjoyable listen. But before we start today's show, please listen to our disclaimer. This show is just a group of opinions and is not to be treated as medical advice. If you are struggling with mental health, please speak to your physician or reach out to a service such as Lifeline. Thank you. Awesome. How awesome. are you, mate? <laughs> yeah, good. Yourself? I'm good, mate. Nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you. Yeah, class, Great mate. To meet you. Yeah. Where are you just now? I'm in uh, Coogee in Sydney, Australia. Yeah. Oh, yeah, nice. I'm in Alexandria, mate. I'm in Sydney as well. Oh, are you? Oh, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, I'm not right. But Neil's over in Italy or somewhere, isn't he? Uh, he's gallivanting, mate. He's all over the world. Buongiorno. <laughs> you can tell what that cracking tan he's got. <laughs> <laughs> G'day Neil That's what my skin colour normally looks like G'day, how are you? How are you brother? Oh you know, living the life And Italy? Getting there, getting there Yeah, we're in a place called Baunei B-A-U-N-E-I Oh yeah It's in Sardinia and it's Oh Sardinia, Sardinia. I thought you were in Italy or somewhere I wasn't quite sure yeah, it's just off the coast of Italy, so I think it's yeah. still an Italian territory, but yeah, it's a beautiful place on the side of a mountain, and it's about, I think it's 500 metres above sea level. There's just there's mountains everywhere, like Sardinia is an unreal place. I think it's bigger than Ireland, like it's a huge island, considering yeah. it's just an island, and uh, it's got a population of 1.5 million, but it, it's really cool here, very warm, so we're in this really cute kind of Redfern-esque terrace with like you know multiple levels except like a really yeah, old yeah. kind of building. Nice. Redfern. It is Redfern. The girls are laughing here in the back. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a family affair here. Uh, it's all happening. That's nice. The world of uh, podcast land when you're you know That's around it. the world. That's it. What time is it there? Seven o'clock or something? 7 a.m., yeah. 7 a.m. So we're in Sydney, so yeah. three, 3 o'clock, pretty cold. I've got a jacket on in the house, man. Why do you do that? Fucking freezing. As I. No central heating, man. Unbelievable. 
<laughs> yeah, where's all the insulation and the Hello, and all that kind of stuff, Gary? Huh? Where are you? I'm going for the radio. <laughs> Sue made me breakfast. I'm eat, eating breakfast. Really professional podcasting. You got pasta? Yeah. <laughs> Scrambled eggs. Uh, easy. Oh, I love Marshy. Like, thanks so much for joining us on the thanks show. Thanks for this having morning. me. Do you prefer Marshy or Andrew, or what's your preferred forename? Yeah, Marshy. Yeah, Marshy. As you know, Aussie, Aussie, Aussified. That's it. It's a very, you know, it's a very Aussie thing. It's either Marshy or Marsho. It's a, we always yeah. put an O or a Y on the end in Australia. So yeah, me, I try and talk to my my parents back home. My dad just can't get his head around that at all. Like that in Glasgow, we wouldn't call. Like going for that, what do you call it in Ireland? Sorry, if you're going for an al- going for alcohol, we call we call it like, like obviously haddos or something like that. We just call it like going to off license. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, the uh, yeah, we call it the the offo. Yeah, the offo. Off, off is a yeah. off license, and then you go to um, here and like go to the bottle. And I said that to my, obviously I've been ossified a little bit. So when I my mum and dad came over and I said I need to go to the bottle. My dad was like, "Fucking going where? What the fuck's a bottle?" And then that was at me. Slaughtered <laughs> me for three weeks solid. <laughs> the other one is the servo. You know, when you go to like, we'd never call that back home. We go, I go to the petrol station, and I said the same yeah. thing when I was back in Ireland. I said, Oh yeah, oh, shit, I've got to stop at the servo. What the fuck's the servo? You only get a service for your car is fine. <laughs> uh, probably relos as well. No relos. No relos. Recommendations. You say recos. Oh yeah, have you got any recos for dinner? And I was like, what? Fuck. <laughs> I've never heard that records. Yeah, recos is like recommendations. Yeah, like, recommendations. So, oh, yeah, have you got yeah, any recos yeah. for dinner? Like, any, any recos? Yeah. It's funny. <laughs> People just look at you and you know spin out. Uh, <laughs> what are you talking about? Funny you should say all this because when I was in Ireland, everyone knew me as Sully. That we have a big family, and I was because of our Sullivan, I was always Sully, Sully, Sully. Even at work, everyone called me Sully. And then when mm. I came to Australia, everyone started calling me Neil. It was like the first time in my life. I was like a reborn, <laughs> not Christian, but like people are now calling me Neil. I have to be like, oh God, I have to be a bit more serious here now. It went the opposite for me. My partner calls me Andy because she can't call me Marshy for some reason. She just refuses to call me Marshy. She'll refer to me as Marshy, but she calls me Andy. And I've never been called Andy in my life. So it just, I, I'm still trying to get used to it after fucking three years or something. <laughs> what? Uh, who's Andy? So, oh, yeah. Andy? Andy. Andy. <laughs> well, normally there's a name, you know, when you're in the bad books as well. Like, yeah. you know, I, feel, I get my own name. My own name is my yeah. one. I get a full name. And it's normally yeah, starts yeah. with a C, not an A. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But I don't know if it's the same with you, Gary. I don't know if you, I can't remember if you're from a big family or not, but I know what it is about Irish parents and grandparents. They forget your name. These are like your actual parents. So <laughs> my parents are always like, oh, Barry, John, Neil, what's your name? And then my granny, my granny, who I used to see nearly every, every day, would call me Niall all the time. <laughs> Niall, would you get to, oh, Neil. I'm like, granny, like, <laughs> how do you not know my name? Like, well, I don't know. It, it was kind of like, did that ever happen in Scottish culture? It was a real Irish thing that people just forget your name. Now, I think it's often my mum would say, like, I like you said, they wouldn't call me the wrong name, but it would say, John, Frank, Anthony, but it'd be like all other family relative names. And then they would eventually get to Gary and go, you know what I mean? Their head's, yeah. just, up their, their head's just up their ass. I mean, we'll just try to think. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why that's, why that's a thing in Ireland. It's weird, isn't it? <laughs> now I'm going to call you Andrew. I'm like, fuck's sake. No, you can't call me Andrew. Um, <laughs> 
Well, Marcy, where are you now? You, you, I know when I first met you, you were in Bondi, but you're not there. Yeah, so the I had a studio. I was teaching meditation out of Bondi. But then the guy who owned the building knocked the building down and made it into one house. So all the shops underneath, which, you know, where I was um, in Brighton Boulevard, they all became one big house. So I'm now based in Coogee, which is about a, probably a 10 to 15 minute drive from Bondi along the coast just down from yep. Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. So it's still what you'd call the Eastern beaches, but yeah. So I got out, out of Bondi. Yeah. Been doing it from here. Nice. Enjoying and, it. Uh, how long, long were it. you going in Bondi? In Bondi, I was there for uh, 2018, 19, 20, probably for about three years. But before that, I was based in the Hunter Valley, so which is about two and a half hours north of Sydney. And I was teaching in Sydney, basically at Whale Beach, so along the northern beaches and also in the Hunter Valley predominantly, yeah, and no. then at North Bondi as well. So I had sort of three places where I was teaching. And then my family moved my wife and my kids and, and I moved to North Bondi and we were living sort of next door to where that studio was in North Bondi. Mm. And so I had that full time then. So All I was right. just based in Bondi then and gave up the Northern beaches and gave up the Hunter Valley sort of thing. So, yeah. And to, to give you some inside loop there, Gary, because I then lived across the road from Marshy's practice as well, which was super convenient. So I was probably still late trying to get to uh, the course. That road shops. <laughs> <laughs> this one guy bought that bought that up as Marsha was saying and I think he was he I think it took him 10 years to buy out all the the plots there and yeah like, I think so yeah something like that. there was some story like dude. that yeah yeah so he's building yeah. this like four-story house which has underground parking and stuff like that and when I left to come to Europe in May it was still like still under construction but mm. yeah it remains to be seen how like it's gonna be in like the house of the so is, is this just going to be his residence home yes so yes. He, he made so there was there was a massive building and there were um sort of units up the top and then we had the shops down the bottom so he turned that whole thing into one house oh my in bondi in bondi oh he's struggling yeah. for cash so that, so that was nice and cheap i was gonna say oh my god <laughs> good luck to, good luck to me. i think i, mean. I think he'd spend <laughs> i used to get the goss from um from Brew, the coffee shop in the corner. Yeah, from Sunday. I'm seeing, I'm seeing yeah, Sunday on Tuesday. She's bringing all the crew down. <laughs> and we're, and oh. we're having a session here on Tuesday. So that's, uh, yeah. Oh, wow. I'll you're say good day to her like, for you. Just, yeah, <laughs> she's an amazing, amazing person. She's just such a legend. But yeah, she used to keep us filled in. We briefly touched on the work that you do. And I know a lot of people would know you from listening or have, attending one of your courses. But for anyone that hasn't, do you want to tell us about the work that you've been doing especially in the you know the vedic space and all the years you've been practicing and, and you know what your latest teachings are sure yep so basically i teach vedic meditation which is a style of meditation which is very old from the vedic tradition obviously from india so i've been doing that now for a long time but before when i was in my teens so i'm i'm in my 50s now when I was in my teens, I did a lot of different meditations. So a lot of Buddhist style meditations, all of that sort of stuff. So there's no one way of meditating per se. So I don't sort of say what I do is the best meditation, but for householders and, and which this, you know, the Vedic meditation is 
sort of designed for. It's designed for people who are busy with families, living in cities, working, and just having a very busy life. So they can actually meditate and have the full benefits of meditation without having to sit for hours and hours and hours like I used to when I was in my teens, um, where I was doing like an hour and a half in the, in the morning and an hour and a half in the night, all of that sort of stuff. That's good if you're sort of monastic uh, or you, you live on a farm and you don't have the demands in front of you. But most of us have those demands in front of us, you know, kids, work, traffic, um, cities, whatever. And so we need a meditation style that suits what we can sort of cope with. And the Vedic meditation, what I found is not only was it, you know, super, super easy in terms of time, but it was as critical as any other meditation I'd done. And that's what made me fall, fall in love with it. And then I was asked to be a teacher of it. So I studied and trained to be a teacher of it because I believed in it so much. It's sort of like that Gillette guy who bought the company because he, he liked the razor so much. I was just <laughs> completely taken by a meditation style that took so little time to have the most amazing effects. And I realized suddenly it was the knowledge base also around it, um, the Vedic knowledge that goes around the teaching of the meditation, which was so digestible for me that the the, all the books that I'd read suddenly filed away and everything was pointing to one thing. And suddenly the Vedic knowledge spells that out very, very clearly without any beliefs, without any dogma or doctrine or, or religion or anything like that. It spells it out very clearly um, uh, universal principles. And it's always based in science and it's always based in the agenda that, you know, we do this so you can have the best fucking life possible and nothing more. There's no other agenda. You don't have to sign up for anything. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. In actual fact, frictionless effort is the way of what could be called the, you know, the meditator or what, 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 what the, the rishi. So it's all about being as frictionless and living life as effortless and having all the best things come to you with, with lovely gratitude. And it's, um, it's not a fallacy. And I used to, you know, cause I'm the biggest skeptic in the world. And I think to be a teacher of this meditation, you have to be a skeptic. You have to have that direct experience. And so I've all, I'm, if I don't have a direct experience of something, I tend to break the symmetry so I can have that direct experience. And it's not always pleasant but I'm just prepared to put myself on the line and I've, have, I've put myself on the line quite a few times of near fatalities just so I can experience what these guys in the East were saying in the Vedic tradition. That's what brought me to this and that's what brought me to be a teacher and that's why I, I froth on it because I just love seeing people shift their state of consciousness because of their simple practice of meditation very, very quickly. So, uh, sorry, Andrew, just for the sake of myself and probably audience as well, can you just tell me, so you've said the biggest sort of selling point, should I say, of Vedic meditation is it's probably more suitable to people who are busy lifestyles and et cetera, et cetera. So what, what makes it more suitable? The, the, simple, the simplicity of it is because it's, it's mainly a timing thing more than anything. Right, okay. uh, as I say, a lot of the Buddhist 
stuff that I was doing before. And I'm, I'm not a Buddhist. I'm not in, I'm not anything. I'm nothing and everything at the same time. I'm totality. <laughs> Here we go. A little advice when I'm the teacher there. What I found is that the simple, it's twice a day for 20 minutes. Now, and what I was... Is that 20 in, minutes? In total, total, yeah. Oh, okay, so yep. each day we do two times 20 minutes of meditation yep. um, using a mantra, which is simply a, a highly refined sound or vibration or word without specific meaning. Okay. And so all we do is just bring our system to our least excited state. Our nervous system comes to its least, its least excited state. So therefore the body follows, the mind takes us there and just brings that body and nervous system to its least excited state. And that's all it is. So you're not trying to do anything, yep. but it's such a, because uh, the first time I was introduced to this, when my teacher said it's twice a day for 20 minutes, I thought he was kidding. <laughs> and everyone else in the room is going, oh shit, how am I going to do two times 20 minutes? I'm already busy enough. And I'm sitting there going, oh my God, I now don't have to do a fucking hour and a half every morning and every night. <laughs> and um, it, it brought this big smile on my face and I looked around the room and there was a few of us and there were a few frowns going, well, I don't know what I'm going to fit that in. <laughs> so it depends on the person, but yeah, specifically it, you know, and, I, and as I say, I'm the biggest skeptic and I would not be teaching this and I, I would never have given my former career away unless this shit worked yep. and I saw the direct results from it and I studied it and I studied it and I studied it and I studied it. Then I did the course in it. Then I, and I have, I'll always be the student. I'll always be the student of this meditation and of the universe, because that's what makes the best teachers yeah, the is more. being the student, you know? So that's, that's why guys, the reason I choose this to be the Rolls Royce of meditation is because it's so doable for people. And I don't think anything less will have the effect and certainly the knowledge base surrounding the, the Vedic tradition you will not get without sort of, in my view, having that experience because I've read when I was 17 to when I was 24, I read about 560 spiritual books but they were all pointed to the same thing. Yep. But until I did Vedic meditation, it didn't file away Yeah, get, yeah, yeah. until I actually thought, oh, my God, this is so simple. I can yeah, see yeah. now. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And, you know, that was, that was a, long, a long time later. But as an, en as an entry point, so even you say to me, so meditation is something I've tried several times, like oh, a lot of times, successfully, unsuccessfully, whatever it may be, but never been consistent enough. So you're sending this to me two times 20 minutes. I'm intrigued because it's something I've never done before, this style of meditation. But still a lot of time, two times 20 minutes. Like you said, it's to me, I'm like, oh, two times 20 minutes. How am I finding that time to do that? But so as an entry point to that sort of meditation, would you say that is two times 20 minutes and that's you? As in like, you need to start Not there? at all. No, no. I think um, a lot of people come to me and I say to them, you know, have you haven't had any experience with meditation? And they say, yes, I've been on some of the apps. So yeah. they may have been on Headspace or Calm or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And I think that's a great yeah. entry point. I really do. I think that's a beautiful start to what we could call worthy inquiry. So once you have enough of that experience, suddenly more worthy inquiry comes in because you start to become, you start to cultivate a state 
of nowness. Yep. And, you know, we, and, and we need to talk about what now is and all that sort of stuff. But that state of nowness is a cultivation if you want it to be part of your natural existence instead of it being just for half an hour after a meditation, suddenly it's, it starts to snowball. Yeah, okay, yeah. I'm finding that the people who I talk to who have done all the apps or done something very s- small, like five minutes or 10 minutes here and there, a, a beautiful stepping stone. You'll never, ever, ever not benefit from anything like this. There's no such thing as a bad meditation. There's actually no such thing as a good meditation. It's just <laughs> meditation. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, when I first started it, I started giving it a crack. People were saying, like, I was saying, oh, I must be doing this wrong. Like, everyone does, like, I'm just sitting here thinking. And then you're like, back to the breath or back to the mantra, whatever I was trying. But then someone said to me, You're doing that as med- that is meditating. You're, just, you're, you're, you're trying yourself to let yourself mind wonder, bring it back. You know, wonder, bring it back. That's, you're meditating. Like, obviously, you'll have moments. Well, there's been times I've done it and I felt amazing after it. Like, not just after it, but for days following. But like I said, I don't think I found something quite yet where I've been like, yeah, that's the answer. That's what I've been needing. As I said, I was on a, another, it wasn't quite a podcast, but I was on one of my, I teach teachers as well as students. Yep. And one of my teachers is an ex-professional surfer called Tom Carroll. And he had me on his morning meditation thing that he does on Instagram. And I said, the first Buddhist teacher I ever met said to me, I'll give you the tip and I'll give you the key to the universe meditation there's no goal to it okay so we're not trying to acquire anything it's not leading to reality it's an expression of it so you don't have to master it you don't have to master it there's nothing to master because there's no goal to it yep now if you say i want to become a world professional surfer and i want to win the world title we better get working on your style. We better get working on your mindset. We better get working on your body. We better get you out into some big waves. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, we yeah. need to structure and organize. But if when you meditate, you're not structuring and organizing anything. You're sitting there and allowing nature to structure and organize your nervous system for you without you, supposedly, whoever, let's just say I call myself Marshy, which is just a... a, a you know, just just a just a part of the system. I don't have to do shit. All I do is no thing. So all I need to do is just gently, gently, gently come to, in this case, to the mantra. And the system just naturally comes to its least excited state. Now, whether that least excited state is because I've got something on that's really uh, under demand that day i might be thinking a lot during the meditation but i'll still come to my least excited state at that point in time does that yes. make sense yeah that makes so sense therefore that meditation is as good as a meditation where you float out and you come out and you just go oh my god i feel like i'm i yeah. feel like i'm an angel kind of thing so this is the thing where a lot of people are missing the point where they feel like they need to perfect something within seconds of starting to do it instead of just allowing everything just to be. And meditation teaches you to just let everything be as it is. And I think that's the idea of there's no goal. There's just the idea of, I call it the intention is is just to have 
the best, most loving, most open, most vital, where you feel vital, you feel alive, you feel available, feeling, and it's all about perception. The word perception is, you could just write a book called Perception and you open it up and it just says perception in the middle and everything else is sort of blank <laughs> because it is, that's all we've got. And so when people talk about in the now, so they say, I, you know, a lot of spiritual teachers say what we want to do is bring ourselves into the now or in the now. It's not a term I, I, I'm against, but it's not a term I use because you are the now. Because if you're viewing nature, if you're viewing the world from your perspective, you are the now. You are now. <laughs> you are now. It's not now outside. It's not some external now. It's some external reality called in the now. You're the one viewing it. So therefore, you are now. So what mm. my, my meditation does, it, 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 it cultivates a state of nowness. And so you know that. So you know that you are now. And therefore, you don't have to call yourself something. So I never call myself Marshy or anything. I just say I'm no thing and I'm everything at exactly the same time. Because there's two appearances going on. One's real and one's yeah. not. But there's an appearance going on. And that's our bodies and our minds and all our thoughts. That's an appearance yeah. and it's beautiful. And it's, it's, it's an expression of nature. Alan Watts talks about, you know, the Atma, I think it is. Um, yeah, the Atma. Where, where you have you have your thoughts, which you think are a thought. And then some, some people get it wrong sometimes when you think, okay, well, I'm going to watch my thoughts so mm -hmm. I don't stress. And then the watcher becomes the watcher. But then he yeah. said that starts this vicious cycle of like, well, who's watching the watcher before that? Who's watching the watcher? Who's watching the watcher? Who's watching the watcher? Yeah. It goes into I the mean, spiral. Whereas if you're, well, you're living in the now, that was a real breakthrough thing that I realized going through your course was if you are just present in the now, you can't be thinking about the future, which is where stress or where anxiety, all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. You can't be in the past, which is linked to things like depression, trauma. You're just mm -hmm. in the present. So you're not allowed, like, well, it's not, that, I know you probably say you're not, it's not that you're not allowing, but you're just being in that state of now that those things don't come into your periphery, which is, okay. you know, a really great way to be and that's where the, like, there's a lot of similarities even when you were talking there to mental health is the hard part getting people in the door like similar to mental health right talking better and it, it, like the hard part is getting someone started and you know if you were to ask me 10 years ago about meditation i'd go oh god that seems so hard do i have to do this big long course you met you mentioned the monasteric <laughs> feeling to it and yeah. but, you, but you mentioned that you started as a teenager so how, how did you get involved in this? And do you think fast forward into modern day, like is the well, challenge got, still there I, to get people on the journey? As I've always professed, I since I was a little kid, there was always worthy inquiry. I was always asking questions about the universe to my dad and all that. I don't know why. It just, it just happened to be that way. But then when I was in my teens, because of that worthy inquiry, I started to break the symmetry and doing a lot of hallucinogenics. So I did a lot of LSD. I did, a, you know, I did a, a lot of mushrooms, all of that sort of stuff. But what I was actually searching for was a key to something to get me started. But I just didn't know. And then suddenly I used to go to this spiritual bookshop in Sydney. It was near the QVB and it starts with an A. I 
I should remember it because I spent my fucking life there and all my pocket money, which I didn't really have. Um, but the bloke there was the first guy to start having little sort of sessions with this Buddhist teacher who I was talking about before. And um, it was beautiful because I'd never been, you know, introduced to something different than Christianity because I lived in Sydney. I went to a Sydney school. I grew up in a, you know, in a sort of Sydney community and it was, um, or an Australian community. And so it was very Christian based, which is fine, absolutely fine. But the thing is, it wasn't working for me. And I was asking more questions and I was wanting to just sort of find out more about it. And that's how I got started, basically. But it was definitely, definitely the hallucinogenics that proved <laughs> beyond, beyond reasonable doubt that there's something more going on here without a doubt. Now, that doesn't mean that I am, again, <laughs> I was on Tommy's thing the other day. I, I you know, it, you have to do the research on this. It's not for everybody. Some people might get a bit stuck and they just feel as if they just need something just to, just to show them the key to turn the car on, but it's not going to drive, these hallucinogenics are not going to drive the car for you. You are. And that's, that's what we need to recognise. So I'm all for people experimenting and sampling and doing whatever they need to do, researching in that field. I'm not going to tell them to do it. I'm not going to tell them not to do it. I'll give them my experience of it and they can do their own research and take it from there. But I will say this, from my perspective, it's not necessary. It's not necessary meditation's the most necessary thing that we could be doing apart from anything else to start with and then having knowledge on top of that so if i say to you just if, if i get somebody you know who's listening in to google is everything in the universe 99.9 percent empty space not that there's anything called empty space there's only emptiness or space <laughs> but if i get them to google that they can google is everything in the universe 99.9999999 percent empty space that's a reality of science so everything appears to be something that it's actually not so this is why a lot of spiritual teachers will say it's an illusion or in you know in, in a lot of the eastern philosophies they might call it maya which may mean cosmic illusion sort of the cosmic illusion that everything exists. But if everything is subject to creation, maintenance and disillusion, well, we're kind of dealing with a very ephemeral or fleeting experience, aren't we? But if we look in the mirror when we're 10 years old, and this is where I love Alan, Alan Watts used to talk about this, and I used to listen to his tapes when I was like 19 years old, and he'd say, you look in the mirror when you're 10 years old, and then you look in the mirror when you're 50 years old, something has changed, and that is the outside and the thoughts and the experiences, but something on the inside has not changed one iota, not one little bit. So therefore, when we talk about eternity, when spiritual people talk about eternity, what they're talking about is that. They're talking about that inner state the atman which is what you were talking about the atman which is that non-changing state of bliss of being 
So we're human beings and that's the bean part. And then the human part comes and goes. Yeah. So that's what, that's what spirituality is basically about. But, you know, to try to convince somebody of that is not the case. We do not try to convince people of that because there's no belief in that. This is a direct experience. And once you have that direct experience, which is natural for all of us, you just go, how did I not see this when I was a little kid? Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. And so I strongly believe, you know, we're, we're all learning meditation now because it's come to the West, uh, you know, a lot later than, we, than it needed to. We, we need to be, you know, teaching eight-year-olds how to meditate. We need to be teaching well, eight-year-olds. I was going to ask that question. Like, do you think that meditation should be taught, like, at a school? Um, Absolutely, like, 100%. Hundred and ten percent now, hundred and ten percent without question. Yeah, I think I think when you think about meditation, it's almost like bear with me with this, but I, I think you know if you think about what school is at now, where we learn you know maths and you know things like yeah. versus we don't learn about how to deal with finances, you know, or you know how to cook properly, how to have a good diet, things like that. And meditation for me definitely fits in that bucket. It's a life skill that can yeah. help you through every day of life versus yeah. or skilled niche things like mathematics, which are important to certain people, but not for everyone. Do you think we, I know there's schooling now that's coming in, does try and take in some of those more life, life kind of skills. Do you think that's getting better now? Like, or do you think it will be become more ubiquitous in time? I, th I think the whole, not just in that, um, sort of scope of, of the younger people, you know, in schools and education and stuff. But I think the world is becoming more aware of how fucked up we are. Whilst that's happening at the same time, people are now looking for answers. So people are now looking further afield and they're starting to look at things like meditation and, you know, what, I mean, spirituality, spirit sort of means essence, you know, your, your true essence which is basically what I could call love. And then we've got another aspect of us, which is the sort of human act active brain work stuff, which Eckhart Tolle would call the ego, okay? And look, there's many words for all these sort of things. There's no one word, there's no one anything, but there's, they're not beliefs, they're actually, you know, they're direct experiences. I think for all of us, not just the kids uh, at school learning meditation and, 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 and there's been a change or anything like that, I think there's been a shift in consciousness because we are suffering more than we ever have, without a doubt. There's no time in history when we have suffered more than we are now. And people just have so many ways of being able to numb it, distract from it. Uh, technology is one of the main ways. And I notice myself sometimes if I'm watching something, even if it's very highly high quality, I'll notice myself entranced by it, if that makes sense. And I kind of have to bring myself back out and sort of just settle my system down, even though whatever I was watching was actually highly high quality. But it was because of the timing and the amount of, concentration i had to do for an hour and a half to watch a documentary about trees or about what's happening in russia or you know something you know whatever it, it may be there's an argument that for meditation like there couldn't be 
like this point in time couldn't be more relevant for meditation to be across the bowels of everybody. Because if you take 50 years ago, life was probably less stressful, pace was slower, you know, things like that. It was just kind of simple life. Nowadays, you mentioned that technology, but even things like exercise can become like, I know exercise was, was almost like my thing to keep me active. So I avoided my own truths growing up as a kid. So I was always like, oh, I have to go to the gym, I have to go for a rule, I have to do. And that was a distraction in itself which is like really interesting when you start going down that kind of loop. But yeah, I think like nowadays meditation has more of a like relevance today than it ever has been. Ever has been. That, and uh, there's a thing from the Dalai Lama who said, um, you know, it's exactly what you've been saying for the last past half hour that like, it's, it shouldn't be this big thing that you can't, you know, grasp. Like he was saying, like, if you're on a bus sometimes, you can do it on a bus, like with it full with people coming home from your commute. And to your point later on, it's like, it doesn't mean bad meditation. You might only get two minutes in or something like that, but it's valuable. And when you actually, when you break it down, I think this is part of like human nature. If someone said to you, or if someone said to the Australian government, hey, we've got this practice that if you do it minutes a day, it will reduce stress levels, you know, make you more calm, you know, you won't be anxious. It will help your set, you know, it can help your life, it will help relationships. People wouldn't believe you. People go, ha, ah, what's that? Like, it's not even the thing. We have we have solutions like this right in front of us. Do you think there's a reason why we, why we don't grasp them? I think people have never... The, the, the one thing I've realised, and I, I remember, because I was quite young when I came to all of this sort of stuff, but it doesn't mean that I don't break the symmetry. I don't, you know, I'm not a goody two-shoes because this is not this is not some religion where you... I have to behave myself in some certain way to do with a book that says, if I don't behave myself, I'm going to go into a fiery hell or something. I often break my own symmetry to discover something about myself. And it's not always pleasant. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So I kind mm -hmm. of sit in the pain of what, you know, it could be to do with my relationship. It could be to do with, uh, the relationship with myself or to do with my relationship with my partner. It could be to do with society. It could be do, to do with my work. It could be to do with anything. But I often break the symmetry to put myself in a vulnerable position so I can see it and feel what's actually in my body, what energy is actually in my body. And I just sit with the energy in the body. I don't look to sort of make, I, I don't want it to go and I don't want it to stay. I don't give a shit. What I want to do is feel it and see what happens. And what happens is it always seems to dissipate. It always seems to go. And the next time something happens, I suddenly feel a lot safer in my own company. So if I have an, uh, a vulnerability about something or if I have a, an insecurity about something, I was, I'll, I'll feel it in my body. I'll sit with it. I'll allow it to dissipate. And the next time something happens to trigger it, I notice that there's a much lesser chance of me reacting in a way that starts to trip me out and starts to have me breathing, you know, quickly or things like that. And you just mm. think, wow, mm. this is incredible. That's really cool. Yeah. And do you, yeah. so if something like that happens, because we are like one of the things which the show is about is to try and support people in terms of like things they can do in the moment. So if something like that happens, let's say, you know, your Joe blogs, this podcast, something's happened, you go, oh, you get that little, oh, not sure of this. 
is that yeah. a good moment for you to go okay maybe i need to just do my little 20 minutes here and um, because you think you mentioned as well like we are more inquisitive than we've ever been before like when you were talking about religion i was thinking well, i was born into catholicism had no choice you know you're born you're baptized you're communion you do all those things when i started to become probably into my mid-20s we start mm. going hang on a second is this mm. for me and now like i kind of moved away from from all that but we yeah we're kind of born into a society of choice is not really well i know it's also hard to give a baby a choice like well like when you're born someone's not going to go do you want to be a catholic or i know that's not realistic either but so you're saying is that is that like a little tip that you would notice if you feel something uneasy in you it's a little triggered okay hang on maybe yeah. i need to question this a would bit. be i guess i mean i just said it so and now you're asking me if it's a tip i guess it's a tip i guess it's a tip mm. but it the thing about it is that a lot of people are not comfortable to sit within their own space and it mm. may take time for some people because you don't know what trauma some people have been through some people have been through some horrendous stuff that i don't know about so i've you know i i don't want to just say to somebody living in Syria who has watched their neighbours being bombed and, you know, uh, their, their whole house completely disintegrated to just sit there and feel in the body and just be comfortable with it and let it just dissipate and all that sort of stuff. You know, things, things you know, as that sort of trauma will need a lot of love and attention and a lot of personal one-on-one -on -one sort of stuff. So it's not really a tip, but for me, mm. if I find myself vulnerable or something that I can handle and I feel that it's just an insecurity that's not real, that I've made up from an insecurity that happened through one of my parents acting a certain way or through some sort of patterning or something like that, which is not quite sort of mm, um, integrated trauma as such, where something mm. happened mm. And I made up a lot of stories about it and it's right in my nervous system and it's sitting in my spleen and all that sort of stuff. I'm not, I'm talking more about the patterning of probably what I grew up with or yeah, yeah. if I had a girlfriend when they were younger and they, they played around on you and suddenly you're sitting there looking at your partner now, 40 years later going, I'm scared you're going to do the same thing. It's sort of things like that. Mm -hmm. And so you have that avenue yeah. to be able to just, realign and feel where it sits in the body and just allow it to be there don't try and get rid of it because otherwise it will make you trip out so you sit there and you feel it and i normally feel most of my vulnerability and my insecurity in the stomach sometimes in the chest mm. sometimes in the arms it never gets too overwhelming because i'm a meditator you see but i can still detect mm. it Nonetheless, if I wasn't a meditator, I'd be, it, it will come thick and fast and it will it'll actually probably shake your body in a lot of places and you'll, you'll notice it. So same, same sort of, you know, same approach, but I notice it a little, I notice it a lot less because I do meditate. And that's the simple, one of the reasons I meditate is so it, it's, it's not so overwhelming for me to be able to do that. If you were to sum it up, 
it's not really like the solution, right? Meditation is not really going to go and solve all your traumas, as you said. But what it does is it brings the no. waves down to a lower level so that when the other bits of life, you're, that window... Yeah. Yeah, like it's a, your window of tolerance becomes stronger because when something does hit you you're not at that you're not at that level anymore you're down at the kind of the that's the exactly right we're so still not, human beings yeah. with a nervous system right and we're still collective so the, and and here's a, a bit of a teaching that i have to sort of give to to sort of correlate my answer but because there is only one thing going on here and that's the universe which means one thing Uni meaning one, verse meaning whatever, song, one song. Because we're collective, there's only one thing going on. There's only totality. If you ask me a question, how do you feel about that? I kind of have to, in honesty, answer on behalf of all of us. Because I am part of all of us. Because there's only one thing. Mm. So if I say... Marshy says this, that's one thing, but that would be what, you know, Eckhart Tolle would, or, you know, a lot of traditions would call ego. Oh, this mm. person feels separate as if they're more enlightened or some shit, some mm. fucking bullshit. You know, I'm more enlightened. And so therefore I have, you know, this, that, and the other. That may be the case. Your experience of life and your perception of life may be very different to the next person and that's the only thing that really separates us you know we might look a bit different and all of that sort of stuff but our sense of perception or what we could call our state of consciousness also varies but that doesn't make us separate it doesn't make us separate it just means that our experience of life is different that's it but it doesn't make us separate so if I get asked a question, I have to answer in two ways. How do you feel about humanity or something at the moment? And I might say it's not great because I have to answer for all of us. But how's humanity for you? And I'll say, well, this week I've been really busy. And when I'm busy, I tend to be happier. And when I'm not busier, I tend to have a lot of thoughts going on. And I'm not, I don't feel as vital and I don't feel as vibrant and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. And that's how I can answer that question. And I get what you mean. Yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah. 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 The perception thing blows my mind. Just how yeah. you can have someone, we've got partners or you've got best friends, you can go through the same week as each other, exact same yeah. day to day routine. But at the end of the week, if you ask somebody the perception of what's happened or the experience and how they saw things, they could be two completely different things. That, and obviously that comes back to the perception of what on the experience of what's happened years prior to that or months prior to that or however it may be. It blows my mind like how deep that goes and how even just watch a movie, watch the perception yeah. of that movie and it's just completely yeah. different opinion. You're like, what? Or a football match happens all the time. It's just yeah. an opinion but you perceive <laughs> it completely different. You're like, what the fuck? How have you watched that game like that? <laughs> even at a more basic level, if you took five people off the street and got them to grab uh, a bit of dirt and, like, and you said, describe this dirt to me, like they, they'd all call it something, oh, sand, muck, you know, yeah. shite. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly that's, right. that's basic. The, the inner state of us is, is, and what you called before, Neil, where Alan Watts was calling the Atman, is actually just a, 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 a Vedic word. It's actually a Sanskrit word to describe with many descriptions, actually. 
<laughs> too many descriptions, but the one wholeness of totality. In other words, when we when when spiritual teachers always talk about, you know, this now thing, they also talk about totality. They always talk about the connection of everything being one thing. Yeah. Do we agree agree yeah. on that one? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's yeah. what the Atman is, is that state of nothingness that we all experience. And then when we, from that nothingness, we express ourselves, that makes us different. So it gives us diversity, which is fun, which is what the whole universe mm. wants to do is to have some fun. So it wants, it wants diversity. It wants a Scottish guy, an, an Irish guy, and an Aussie walk into a pub and talk <laughs> shit about the fucking universe. You know, <laughs> it's kind of like that. Um, it's, it's, there, it's there to take the piss and have some fun. But what we're doing mm. now is that we're missing the point in that. And so we're making the diversity very, very real. And we're making the Atman, the, the actual connection, something obsolete. And so what meditation does is bring you back to the realization of the Atman. Does that make sense? Of the connection. Yes. Yep, so it yes. means that it's more cosmic. So you, the cosmic intelligence starts to flow through you and you start to look at people going, holy shit, whilst I'm not that person, I am that person because there's no such mm. thing as separateness. Because if mm. there's only one thing, if there's only one thing, and that's the universe, obviously there's no separateness between you and the couch and the fridge behind you and, the, and all of this sort of stuff and other people and all that sort of stuff. That may be an abstract thought to a lot of people, but once you start meditating, it becomes more real that, holy shit, there is an aspect of that, but it's not pronounced as much as the appearance that we're separate. Because the appearance that yeah. we're separate is necessary too. It's, it's happening together. And we, what we want mm -hmm. to do is allow it to happen together instead of going one way or the other. So, for example, a lot of people might say, I would just want to make as much money as possible. Then I'll be approved of. Then I'll be loved. Mm. Then I can love myself. Then I can do this and I can do that. And then the spiritual guy goes, I'm going to let go of everything and become so spiritual that I start to float into the clouds. Now I've done both. <laughs> and the thing that I learned from doing both is that there's a beautiful way in between those two. So we don't mm. have to write off either one of them. We don't write off the transient sort of money based world where, you know, you can earn a dollar, have abundance, go traveling, enjoy money and do have a house and, have some kids and do whatever you need to do here. And there's also nothing against enjoying just your true self, which doesn't require any thought. It doesn't require any money. It doesn't require anything whatsoever. And there's a beautiful thing. And the word that I used the other day on Tommy's thing was ritam. And that's probably the best terminology, even though these, these Sanskrit words have a very different meaning depending on who's looking at them. But there's a beautiful flow between the inner state of a human being and then the outer state of a human being. And then when the inner state starts to 
drive the outer state, you start to see it in people's eyes. You start to see it in their eyes firstly. You start to see it in their manner. You start to see it in their softness. You start to see it in their non-reactiveness. And you start to see it. So people start to look at you once you start meditating going, I don't know what it is about you, but have you had a haircut or something? There's something about you I can't quite work out. And that's what I noticed about a lot of things. When I think about that, I think of like the conscious and subconscious as well. Like when they're singing off a similar hymn sheet, you know, you're in a good space. Whereas, you know, things that I've had in the past is like my conscious mind is not at the same place as my subconscious. And then, you know, you're a bit out of whack. But, but also going back to your point about the universe, I don't know about you, Gary, but like, do you, do you ever get those moments where sometimes you really just take that, you do get that moment where you're looking at the stars maybe on the beach and you start going into that mode of like simplistic thinking and you start thinking about like, how are people, like how's racism, how's, how are things like that even around when you actually break down what we are into such basic format and thinking, like we come from the earth as dust or whatever, you live for a while, you go back into the earth buildings materials they come from the same earth we, we put them together you know they eventually come down it's just like this cyclical blob of like regeneration that goes through time and as yeah. you were saying it's all part of the one thing we all come creation from the one maintenance thing. disillusion creation maintenance disillusion. Yeah. creation maintenance. there's a beginning a middle as, as alan and an end for all of if us gonna, if we're going to quote alan you know because we both obviously love him i don't know if gaz has, has heard alan before yeah i've heard some bobs yeah, you know, he just used to say, if the apple tree apples, then the universe peoples. So it kind of just sort of just produces and then it just goes through maintenance, creation, uh, sorry, creation, maintenance, destruction or disillusion. Mm -hmm. And that's a beautiful thing because there's something within us that doesn't go through disillusion, okay? It's only the body and the mind and the thoughts or what Eckhart Tolle would call ego. And I don't say, I keep saying Eckhart Tolle calls it the ego, only because a lot of people have read The Power of Now, okay? Yeah. So I tend to sort of, if somebody has read that, it tends to be, you know, the most popular spiritual book at the moment. Um, I've got a copy of it right here, actually. Um, that doesn't make it the best book ever. It just <laughs> means that it's, it's very popular at the moment. So I tend to quote him a little bit because people can understand. But what we want to do is just to see the simplicity of ourselves and not to pretend to be anything that we're not. You know, I love being vulnerable. I cry in front of people. I tell them the truth and I, and, and I haven't always done that. I've learned to do that because I wasn't taught to do that. So I've had to unlearn what I was taught to do to be able to do that. And it just brings up this beautiful way of being able to relate to people, being attractive to people. And that doesn't mean, you know, sexually or anything. It just means being the attraction for somebody to come to you and say, you know what, I'm not doing so well. And hence why I became a teacher is because I love that. I love when people can sit in front of me and just say, how are you going? Yes, yeah, so, so. So, so tell me what's been going on, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I love that because it's how we're all feeling. Things are really ramping up and in no stage in history has 
there been such stress, tension and fatigue accumulating in human systems? There just hasn't been because we've never had this technology. And here we are on the technology, yep. even though we're attempting to make it high quality, it's still a load on a lot of people to be able to absorb the amount of you know, information, even that we, the three of us have been talking about, to even have that would have people sort of wanting to go to bed. And I know when I do courses, they can't wait, people can't wait to meditate at the end because on the last session that I give, it just, you know, it brings up, and Neil's done it, it just brings up so much stuff that all you want to do is just go in. And that last meditation of that session is so beautiful because it just, it just transpires and it, and, and, and it just takes that, in, that, that knowledge and it just imprints it within the system within all of the cells yeah that's a there's a lot to think like meditation to me like you mentioned the the balance between the person that i think modern day it's more applicable is thinking the money the abundance and all the rest of it and then the other side they've got just leaving it all behind and minimalism almost going by that i feel like it's we're always sort of teetering on between the balance between those two things day to day week to week, month to month. I think we're always trying to, well, what Neil and I are discussing and what you're discussing is try to bring people maybe back towards that minimalism state, back to themselves, getting away from all that sort of thing. But again, not ever forgetting that yeah. that is still, it is part of the world. We do have to have money. It's just the way of the world. We do need to think of that sort of thing, but never get too far to one side. And at the same yeah. time, not just ignoring that side either and being completely free from everything and being maybe being broke and struggling and bringing on extra stress as a, as a delicate balance day to day, but having those tools, like you suggested, like from meditation and we've had a lot of guests on who've had gave us different tools to use. I think they are super useful um, to try to always day to day, bring yourself back to that balance. Cause there's more, more likely than not, you're going to get shifted towards that state of money, stress, information, yeah. consuming lots of things, worrying, yeah. Day to day, then you are going to be like, oh my god, I've got so much meditation and breath work and yoga to do today. It's just crazy. It's never that's never going to happen. But, but you, yeah. you, would you say, uh, Marcy, that they're like not mutually exclusive? Because I like to talk, like you know, the money story. That's one thing that when I left Ireland, I had a money story. You know, mm. I've been ingrained mm. in my DNA through Irish history, like through the famine, going back all that. And like, Ireland wasn't really that much of an affluent country until. The, the noughties when we had um, the Celtic Tiger, they used to call it, um, where it was the first time in our history where we actually had a bit of affluence. And then that only lasted about eight or nine years. And then the GFC hit. And when I came over and I met my now wife, Sue, like she just couldn't believe my money story. I was so obsessed about like, oh, well, I bought you a coffee yesterday. So, you know, owe me a coffee. And I used to mm -hmm. like tell her, oh, you owe me like this amount of money. She said, and that actually took me years to let go of and when she referenced a joint account, I was like, fucking joint account. No way. Like, that's my money. Like, I earned that money for my job. Like, you're not, like, that's not yours. Like, yeah, and yeah. whereas now, like, 10 years later, when I look back on that, I can't even, like, think about, like, now I've, I am, like, I'm so happy to be in this place about money that, like, I just let go. And, like, if you think money is, like, I know there's a bit cheesier if money is abundant, but. I don't know if you let go of it, somehow it just seems to come towards you in a weird way. And it's like what you were saying, Gary, like sometimes like we're in that job, we're in that rat race because you have to get money. But 
if you just go fuck it, like I, I and I'm not saying people need to quit, but sometimes when you do quit or you're made redundant, it then puts you on this other pathway, which is probably better for you anyway. You know that kind of way. So do you think? Yeah, do you think there's a fine balance in people knowing? To let go sometimes and when you let go positive things actually come towards I, I, you yeah i wouldn't call it a fine balance because a fine balance means a very articulate mastery of something you know what i mean a fineness where yeah. you've really mastered something and you can you can just teeter on either side of it so i wouldn't call it a fine balance but i do agree with you that not giving a fuck certainly brings a lot of attraction towards you and so if you have this idea that, you know what, I'd like to be abundant. Why would I like to be abundant? Because I would like to be abundant because of something very productive and very high quality. What you would do is actually vibe that in. And, and that's what manifestation is. And if you just write down on a sheet of paper why you would like that money and be very specific about it, what happens is the more you do that, the more nature provides whatever you need now it will provide it even if you feel a lack so here's the funny thing even the people who are so what we could call spiritually unconscious or whatever you want to call it <laughs> um they're not they're just human beings having an experience and they're and they're and they're, they're chasing you know they're chasing themselves but i've met a lot of people who have made a lot of money because they watched the secret with Rhonda Byrne, you know, the secret, the, yeah. the book. Mm -hmm. yeah. the book. So they have had a lot of success doing that. What Rhonda was actually showing was that we have the tool, we have the handles in our palms and we don't know it. And so everybody was suggesting on that, in that book and on that uh, video or the, the movie she made, uh, that that was the case. So you could have a direct experience that you actually could manifest something. Here's the thing about manifestation, and this is why she purposely left it out, is what we want to do is be of service to people. Yep. And once you have that as your initiation, I want to be of service to others. And this is what I need, not what I want. Then you won't, you'll still be able to get the red Ferrari but you won't be sitting there and the blue one passes and you go, shit, I should have got the fucking blue one. <laughs> you see? And this is what a lot of people who can manifest very well. I know a lot of very good manifestors who have done this and they, they can, they can manifest anything. You think how, how the fuck is this guy doing this or this person, this girl doing this, but they just have this incredible ability to manifest things um, people, places, events, circumstances, things, it doesn't matter what it is. But the thing is, they're always left wanting. Now, here's the difference between, you know, where the Vedic tradition would look at manifesting and where, you know, Rhonda probably purposely, in all fairness to her, probably left it out because she wanted people to understand that the universe will give you what you desire and if you, if you have enough emotion behind it and all that sort of stuff, it'll happen. The only thing that was left out is let's talk about need, not wants. Because wants, mm -hmm. only the ego wants to want. And the ego wants to want more than it wants to have. When we have a need for something, we have a definite need only because nature requires it. So there's a requirement 
rather than a want. And there's such a difference between those two. And so when I did the experiments myself, and I've done them, and, you know, so I, I don't just say this willy-nilly and start to point fingers on anybody. I went out and manifested something and it fucking took place. But the thing is, it was from the ego and it took place and I, I had it. And I'm sitting there going, okay, great. I was able to, I was able to do that. But the thing is, I, it, 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 I'm, yeah. I've, I've still got that hole. Yeah, yeah. Okay. still got the hole. Yep. And then when I, you know, later on, when I started to realize that manifestation was about what's needed and required rather than what's wanted, mm. I started to be able to manifest a lot of stuff that was nothing really to do with filling a state of lack, but simply requiring something of a need of the time. And a need of the time. What does that mean? Now, doesn't it? The need of the time means now because there's no such thing as time. Yeah? Yep. I'll just do this quickly for you. I did this for Tommy the other day and yeah. I've done this for Neil before but I, and I do it for most of my students. Yeah. Okay. So the, here's, your, here's the lesson for people who are not quite with this now, you know, being in this, this so-called now thing. Ready? If I say yep. to you, I've got a watch on, where are we? And we're going to call it now, even though there's no such thing as now. <laughs> but we're going to call it now, okay? What we're going to do is a little, little experiment, okay? So, Gaz, where are we? Where are we at universe? And, you're, and you're, you're going to say to me, where now? We're now, we're now, okay. Yeah, yeah, 100%? Yes. Now feel it within you. Feel that you're now. Yep, yep, now, yep. All good? Yep. Good. We're going to go five seconds into the so-called future, okay? Where are we, Gaz? <laughs> uh, no. Where were we? <laughs> we were no five seconds ago. <laughs> no, we were now. You said it to me. We went five seconds ago now. We were now. <laughs> You see what you're doing here. <laughs> you, can see, you can see how the brain works, okay? So here's an ex here's this tiny little thing that I can do to shift people's consciousness into seeing how the brain is so aligned with the psychological addiction to time. Yep. And the only reason it does that is because it doesn't feel whole and complete. So human beings are walking the earth not feeling as if they're whole and complete. I haven't quite arrived yet. And in some time in the future, I'm going to arrive and everything's going to be okay. And most of the time, most people call it retirement. So they retire and they have enough money and then they can just go, oh. But that never happens because yeah. they never feel as if they're whole and complete. So mm. that whole idea is simply a mis informed idea that the mind has given them that they're going to be whole and complete in the so-called future that doesn't exist because you just proved to everybody on the podcast that there's no such thing as time in the world no, where are we now Nobel Prize where are we now where were we now there's only now I feel like, so I feel you like just proved to the going. whole world there's no fucking such thing like as time I feel like we're, we're answering the, the questions to life here 
Uh, right at the end. I did my watch, mate. I'm my watch back. Yeah. Con men. <laughs> I was also thinking of birth- how are you going to say your birthday? Like, how are you going to say birthdays? When's your birthday? Oh, it was now um, 37 <laughs> know, years this ago. Is the, this is the funny thing. This is Every my- day, it's right now. Yeah, I know. I, I, yeah, I'll see you guys now. now. <laughs> like in tomorrow. <laughs> So this is well, why great, now, so like, in terms everyone of... Everyone thinks I'm always late, so I'm never actually technically late, according <laughs> to what you just said. I'm always in the now, and people need to get to no, the no, same no, now. The now. You are the now. So I am the now, exactly. It, it, <laughs> this is the fucked up thing, right? This is why it's so good to have time, but who created it? A fucking owl or a <laughs> rabbit? Or do you think a human being may have looked at the sun and thought, you know what? We can create something here to where we can start to get together at a more reasonable time <laughs> and we can logistically do this place. <laughs> a fucking oh, So much better, you see? So the logistic time frame um, is beautiful. So, you know, I'll see you at 10 o'clock. Great. I'll see you at 10 o'clock. Awesome. There's nothing wrong with that. But what people are addicted to is the fact that they don't feel whole and complete. Yep. And so they, yeah. use the, the, they use that time, the clock time, to say, if I don't get whole and complete in a certain time frame, I'm, I, I, I can't die. I can't yeah, die. Yeah. And yeah. that's yeah, what I, the, I had that same vision of, yeah, you know, yeah. when you get, speaking to a psychologist before, when you get to the end of life, and mm. this is like from my, my own experience, that I would be able to rest, which sounds really morbid, but... I felt like that whenever I'm on my deathbed, finally I'd be able to go, which is what you just said a few minutes ago. Yeah. And that's so out of whack. Years ago, I was always saying, yeah. I want to be just content. I want to be yeah. content. And he's yeah. like, well, when are you going to be content? And I was like, oh, maybe yeah. when I'm old and 80 and I see the grandkids yeah. running around. I was yeah. like, what? Like, no, you can't no. do that. No, it doesn't exist. Yeah. It doesn't exist. The only time you can be content is when? I said ago. Oh, sorry. Now. And this, is, and this is why meditation is so fucking important, guys, for people. No, I hate the word. No, I, sorry, no, take the word hate away. People are so misinformed about meditation because what it does is it cultivates that state where you're not longing for the future. Yep. You're not longing for the future. So therefore, that idea that you have to make it and arrive somewhere dissipates. And suddenly you're just sitting there just going, fuck, I've cultivated a state. And this happens very quickly for some people. It depends on your state of, it it just depends on your state of consciousness and what you've been through and how much trauma you've got and how much patterning you've got and all that sort of stuff. Um, Some people take to it like that. And some people could be a little bit longer. It doesn't matter. We're all on our, we're all on the way. But the thing is, once you realize that there's no such thing as the future and there's no such thing as the past. All you've got is now. Where are all your problems? I think a lot of that is that, that whole enjoying the, just enjoying the process sort of thing as well, which is it's obviously easier said than done, but often I've found if I look back, say, 10 years ago, at a time when I thought I was in that mentality of, oh, in the future, when I do this and I'll have more money, I can do this and I can do this. But now if you ask me, I'd love to go back to that time. Do you mean by that time you're stressing out, being like, oh, I need to get somewhere in the future? But now I'm in that future, I think. That's I'd a deathbed. That's a deathbed sort of comment, though, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, of course, it is 100%. That's what I mean. Like yeah. now, 
now my mindset's changed drastically since then, but that is inter- just trying to enjoy the process more of being like, even if it's shit or good, it's still mm-hmm. just trying to be in it, the now, as you're saying, uh, and, and enjoy it. We want to be human too. We don't want to pretend. And, and here's the thing that I, I've had to go through the whole fucking life. Thank God I've had so many years of this shit, right? <laughs> I had to mood make spirituality. I had to go through the fucking drugs thing. I've had to go through so many breaking of symmetry, so many breakings of symmetry yep. in order to feel myself. So I wasn't bullshitting myself. Because even after 20 years of doing this, which was now, oh, what's that, 30 or, well, at least 10 years ago, I had to break some bullshit up within myself and become real with myself and break the symmetry on something that I really didn't want to let go of. So the perpetual student is always going to be the, the, the best teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, that makes yeah. sense. And that's why I never, ever pretend not to be human. We are human beings and we are one. And I never pretend to say, oh, no, guys, listen to me. I've got it all going on. It's all this. It's all that. It's all that. I electively break the symmetry because I have the ability to be able to come back because I know how to come back. Mm -hmm. And so what I generally teach people is, you know what? I don't think this is about correcting anything such as bad trauma. And then you correct it. So you're over the trauma. I think use that trauma to break the symmetry to propel yourself into another whole perception of some of love and acceptance and all of that sort of stuff. If you don't have that, you won't be able to get there. You won't be able to, you won't be able to provide that for somebody else. You see? So I electively often break the symmetry to put myself into some what some people could call suffering, which we, it doesn't need it. It doesn't need it. It doesn't, it, we don't need to go into suffering. We don't. But I've electively broken symmetries over time because I've felt stuck. I've just felt stuck within myself. So I've broken symmetries over time just so I can see a different perspective on it. So I can really relate. And then I can really, really be quite grateful for something that I can't quite see because it's just, I've, I've got my horse blinkers on. Yeah. yeah. Which makes me human, which makes this an adventure. And at least I'm heading towards something um, towards a high quality without a goal being met because I don't want a goal to be met. I'm not looking for enlightenment. We're all enlightened. We're all enlightened. It's just that we're forgotten. We've forgotten we're enlightened. And so this idea of acquisition of enlightenment through meditation, yoga, breathing, fucking retreats, going on this, doing this, reading books and all of that sort of stuff. We've got to be very, very careful not to mood make a lot of this. Yep. We just have to be us, our true us, and put our hand up and say, how are you feeling now? I'm feeling a bit like this. Okay, well, where is it in the body? Okay, well, that would be the best place to go to. Okay. And and you're feeling, so you got a bit of a rumbly tummy, yeah? And your arms are shaking, yeah? Great, awesome. That's great, awesome. Now, how bad can you make it? What is it out of 10 now? Oh, it's an eight. Okay, let's make it an 11 out of 10. That's how bad it gets. And this is what I do with students. 
And then they try to make it really bad. And then after a few minutes, I say, how is it now? And they go, it's a four. Why? Because we're allowing that. What When I studied psychology, they used to call it the subconscious and stuff like that. We can call it the probably, I'd rather call it the sort of semi-conscious, the semi-conscious state, which can then be denied because it doesn't have any any value to it whatsoever it has no value to it whatsoever it's simply accumulating a lot of stuff that we really don't need and so what meditation does is it skips over that and lifts it out of the system and that's the beautiful thing and it does it quite quickly and so you see you know and i've taught people well everyone i teach i always ask after you know three or four weeks can you see now a pre-meditation kneel and a post-meditation kneel? And everybody says, yes, definitely. There's definitely a fucking difference between the way I'm looking at the world, the way I'm feeling, the way I'm, you know, experiencing everything than four weeks yeah. ago. Absolutely no question about it. Would that be correct, well, that's Neil? What yeah, no, absolutely. And I was, I was thinking of Alan Watts again. I feel like sometimes we're like responsible by Alan Watts, even though he's not around anymore. <laughs> but he talks about the same thing. He says, like, every, we're already enlightened. That's the thing that yeah. people don't get. And then we created things like religion, which is basically just a higher version of us that we're already enlightened. And we need to do that in order to feel like we can be enlightened when you're already enlightened. You're already enlightened. So what are you requiring? Like, <laughs> yeah but like that's how we try and create something to make us feel like we can get to it even though we don't like it's just it's, yeah. it's, it's, so, it's so and... simple isn't it it's so simple but it's yeah you know you can't uh you sometimes you know people often ask me do you feel like shaking people's necks and just going just fucking wake up <laughs> you know, <laughs> spiritual perspective yeah, yeah. You go, yeah i do but you've just got to be very careful because it's against the law <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah, it's like it's also I also thought because like, when I went in first to get my mental health assessed, you get like a picto pictogram thing, and they go yeah. like one of the questions is literally like how suicidal are you out of ten, and I yeah. used to think I like I got so angry at that going, you know, at the time I wasn't feeling suicidal personally, but if I was or teetering mm. on the edge, mm. to put it into something like a chart like that, like it just mm. didn't feel. Because like, you know, as you're saying, it's all about perception. So you're perceiving yourself to be in this state of mind, almost mm. like normalizing it in a bad way in that sense, where you're in a room and some guys tell you to pick a number, any number mm. at all. You pick a number, mm. then you classify yourself in that group, which mm. makes it even worse for you. So I think there's a, there's a long way to go there. But just, you know, we're edging towards the end. But I wanted to ask you one question around the link. Like, if I think it feels to us here that meditation and mental health go hand in hand right you know they're one and yeah. one in each of, of another yeah. it's not a solution but it's just something that can just be and it's that a tool it's a tool that. it's a technique which is the number yeah. one technique though it's not just in the yeah. toolbox a lot of people say oh it's lovely to have meditation in my toolbox i don't agree with that statement it has mm -hmm. to be the number one thing and then you can carry anything else around in the toolbox meditation is almost yeah. not negotiable nowadays and i say it to yeah. people and all the all the sports guys i teach now especially the professional guys who i wanted to have on a few today um who were going to drop in but it's 
as I say to them, it's not negotiable. It's not negotiable now to be a professional sportsman and not be meditating. It's yep. not, negotiable to be, not, not negotiable to be a school kid and not meditating. It's not negotiable to be a father, a, uh, a wife, a this, a that, and the other. It's almost not negotiable because it's such an easy, simple practice. It's, you're not doing anything. You're not after anything. You're not trying to acquire anything. You're not asked of anything. You don't believe in anything. It's simply bringing your nervous system to its least, least excited state so you can have the cosmic intelligence to be able to respond to life and be vital and be available than anything. And that's all that's required. And, and it's also free, which is even more mind-boggling. Exactly. You learn it once. They're paying like, a charge every time you do it. Yeah. yeah, like just to put into context for anyone that hasn't done it, you know, when you do it, like, you know, I did two days with Marshy and then and then that two days sets you for life. And then a lot of the practices also do like, I know you do a lot of check-ins where like at any time you can always dial into um, like a public gathering. If you feel like you've kind of wavered a bit or you need a bit of structure, you can always mm -hmm. tap back into mm -hmm. that, which is an unbelievable service when you think about like, not many other things do that. Like if you sign up to a Pilates class, you don't get a forever. Yeah, you don't get a free so fucking class after that. <laughs> no, no, you don't. You never, you never get that. If anything, it's the other way around. You, the first class is usually free or cheap, and then you get hit with the big bills. Like yeah. get more into yeah. it. So it is. Yeah. It, it it stays with you for life. And and um, I for one can say like I don't. I'm not doing it every day, but like I drop out of it. But then sometimes if you're in a certain way, it's like oh shit, I need to go back and and start again. So it's it's just nice. You get a you get a nice little connection with it that way. But do you have you seen any like is there research or have you seen any things that correlate mental health with meditation? So those who meditate, it, it does impact their mental health. There's just been so much science done on this, Neil, for so many years. And I'm talking 50 to 60 years, they've been, no, um, at least 50 or 60 years, they've been doing a lot of study on meditation, um, pr predominantly on transcendental meditation, right? Which is what we call Vedic meditation in Australia, right? Um, so any meditation, it doesn't matter what sort of meditation, they did the study on these things, and they did a study on transcendental in particular and found so many degrees of difference between non-meditators and meditators that it was almost astounding. And, you know, I can't really go into it more than that, but it's more to do with the nervous system, the health of the well-being, the perception of the person, you know, and one day they may have sort of, sort of things where they can monitor and measure you know, happiness or something like that, but we're a long way from that. So it's not about mastering and being, you know, oh my God, I'm so happy I'm meditating, all that sort of shit. <laughs> it's just making your, as I say, the only agenda that I say to people when they start the course is you, I want you to have the best fucking life possible, period. Okay, that's all I say to people. I want you to have the best fucking life possible and that's my only agenda here. You never have to see me after this course finishes. You don't have to believe in anything. You don't have to believe in any religion. You don't have to believe in any dogma doctrine. You don't have to believe in anything. But when you go through the course, you suddenly see 
this incredible transformation of people because they're allowed to be just as they are. And so I say to people, yeah. just meditate and see what happens. And then people come to me afterwards and say, right, I'm feeling amazing. Can you structure for me a weekly regime for my food diet and what I should be doing with my, you know, um, exercise and all that sort of stuff? And I basically tell them to fuck off and say, I'm your meditation teacher. Go off and find somebody else to do that because I'm not in charge of that because I don't give a fuck about those sort of things. All I know is what works for people and that is meditation. And then it's up to you on what you eat. And if you trust yourself, you'll know. You won't need somebody else to tell you what to eat, what to do, how to... Uh, exercise all of that it will come to you naturally through the cosmic intelligence that you are actually uh, tapping into and so suddenly you realize i don't actually need all these people around me but it's lovely to join a group so if i feel the need to do yoga or pilates or something like that because i'm meditating go and join the group and enjoy it and you'll make a lot of mates and whatever and enjoy whatever, whatever. But, but there's no one thing. So every, everything, yeah. I just say to people, go off and see how it goes. I can't tell you what's going to happen. Just go off, meditate, see what happens. That's it. That's often, that's often the kind of one of the nicest things. Whenever you do something from a mindfulness perspective, you mm. don't necessarily get anything in the moment but you get this lovely feeling it could be two weeks down the track six months down the line we go oh there's something different what is it about me and and then you kind of go fuck i've been doing that thing for the last little while and that's how i that's how i sense it normally in that time and one other little small thing around the meditation i find when i meditate i come up with all these amazing ideas which i know you're not Mm -hmm. you're supposed to clear the mind but when yeah. you clear the mind, it's amazing what comes in. So that yeah. is one thing I've noticed. Like, wow, like these things, sometimes it, like I think it's a, anyone out there who's a creative or has writer's block or something like that, meditation mm. is also a really good practice for that because it, mm. you let go of any of those kind of things that are swirling around your head and all these other things come towards you, you know? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so the, the last little bit, Marcia, is we just have a little quick fire questions that we, we ask every guest. Okay, uh, yep. We basically, we usually say 30 seconds to answer all four questions, but some guests like to cheat, so it's up to you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, right, so first question is, when are you at your happiest? During sex. Lovely. Uh, <laughs> I, t- I thought you were going to say in the now. I thought you were going to be like, when I'm in well, the now. I am in I'm the in now. The- it's just during sex. In the Tremendous. Now. That's a good answer. Uh, out of 10... Where do you think the world is currently in terms of mental health? Fuck, it's a... I mean, it's my my perspective on that question. I'd say at most a three. Okay, cool. Interesting. Uh, okay, out of ten, where are you currently with your own mental health? Well, if I answer on behalf of everybody because we're only one, what's my answer? <laughs> As... A three. Eleven. <laughs> at most most at most a three. Oh, gotcha, <laughs> because we're gotcha. all one. Because we're all connected. Yes. <laughs> but look, as I say, you know, the difference is if I can answer that question very quickly. I know I've only got 30 seconds. <laughs> but 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 if I can answer that question very quickly, yes, at best a three, 
But if I'm busy and I'm viable and I'm vital and I'm available and there's a demand in front of me, I do feel a lot better when I'm in service. Yep. So cool. some weeks I feel like an eight and some weeks I feel like a three. No, and that's when I don't, when I'm not as vital and available to people because there's not a demand in front of me. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense, man. Yeah. Um, so the last one, if you could recommend just one thing for people to do each day to improve their mental health, what would it be? Uh, master, but, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> meditate. Meditate. <laughs> What's that word again? <laughs> um, <laughs> So a, a big question, obviously. Ends and ends and ends. <laughs> <laughs> big question really is for anyone listening uh, who's interested in learning more about you, what you do, uh, or to get in touch or do one of your courses, where can they find more about you and how do they get in touch? Okay, so they can get in touch by Andrew, uh, au, yep. um, And they can come for a free introductory course. So nice. that I can give them a free session, which takes about 45 minutes. And nice. I can talk them through what meditation is, how the benefits will work for them, get to, get to know them a little bit and to see where they're sitting and all that sort of stuff. That's actually free of charge. Cool. And so they can just contact me via my, my uh, website and ask to come and do that. And we'll make a time and um, have a talk. And if they then choose to do the course, we can do the course. And if they choose not to, um, nobody ever chooses not to, so I don't know how to answer that. But um, <laughs> uh, so that's how to get in contact with me. Good mate. Uh, anything to add? Here's your marketing thing. Nobody ever chooses not to do my course. <laughs> <laughs> I should have taken the red pill. No, the blue yeah. pill. <laughs> you get anything to add, Sally? It was fun. That was really enjoy cool. it, mate. Good. I'm glad you enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, really, Great to have really you on. cool. Always love to talk about it and, you yeah, know, no. make it make it fun and make it light. Yeah, you guys are, you know, keep going. Well, Enjoy. I think, um, you know, that the reason why we wanted you on, we haven't really, we've tackled all kinds of everything, charities to breath work, you know, so, which is like somewhat related, but we hadn't actually gone into the meditation landscape. And also when we were thinking mm. about it, like, there is stigma around meditation as well, around like, oh, I can't do that, it's too difficult. So, and I yeah. and I know just from experience with you that you kind of, you chop the knees off that. And, and yeah, you know, that I chop the knees out of that, that's of not show. difficult to do. And then that, that's where people exactly. need to know that they're gonna be ironclad. You cannot do a course with me and I'll let you go away, not feeling completely yeah. confident in being able to meditate. Absolutely not. So. Yeah. And yeah. that's the that's the of the whole podcast is like we're trying to break down this because there's so many different levels of stigma around mental health. But if we can, we're just yeah. literally trying to go through each topic one by one to yeah. give a real account of what what actually it is. So hopefully people can listen to go. Do you know what? Maybe I will try that. And that's mm. kind of what we see our purpose is like just pushing people into a direct. We're not telling them what to do, but we're just giving them the options. Absolutely, they might go down like you know a certain path and to enlightenment <laughs> in the now. <laughs> yeah yeah and you know you, you've got the seeds anyway you know whatever whatever works to just put something out into the yeah. universe it's fucking positive because there's enough mm. negativity that we read in the newspapers and stuff so what we've just done then in the last hour or two you know we're promoting something that's yeah. going to be fun yeah. it's going to be yeah. productive it's going to be vital it's going to be you know yeah. it's going to be easy and effortless and you know it's mm. You can't, you can't go wrong doing shit like that. You just can't. 
you feel good no. regardless of what outcome because there's no outcome there's no goal it's just you know just doing that sort exactly. of shit yeah oh, so thank you so much no, guys for having time. me on no a pleasure mate absolute pleasure yeah, and yeah. Um, yeah we'll get us up pretty yeah. soon mate we'll let you know when it goes up we'll send you an email and yeah, let you know the link. awesome Awesome. Yeah, you're you're part of you're part of season two, so uh, we're we're still going season two. So well done. Is that 20, <laughs> yeah, yeah, beautiful. Twenty three episodes or something. So we're doing well. Yeah, beautiful. Good episodes, stuff, guys. Yeah. Take it yeah, easy. Nice mate. One. See Pleasure, mate. Have a good Take weekend, mate. Bye. Yeah. Bye. You guys too. See ya. See ya. Bye. Bye. It's on land, isn't it? <laughs> Fucking mad bastard. So, he's funny. He's funny. Good lad. And then now. Sex. And then and now. And then now and now. There was a point in that podcast where he burst out laughing. He said, he said, in the now, about 15 times in 15 seconds. You're not in the now because the now is the now and you're in the now. And if you're in the now, yeah. you're not in the now because the now is the now. The now. You're in the now. And I'm not answering for the now. Do you know what I mean? Aye, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking. Yeah, yeah. So, what's the answer? Uh, no. <laughs> I just guess. Got up here when you're in school and then like the teacher explains it and then they go, Oh Sullivan, what's the answer? And you're like, no. <laughs> Stop fucking no. <laughs> uh, what do you want me to say? That's all it's like, what do you want me to say? I'll say it. <laughs> yeah, I'll say whatever you want. Like, I'm sorry, miss. I'm sorry. Uh, um, that was good though. Good. Don't forget to follow us on all the social media channels, including Instagram and Twitter, at these lands are mental. And if you do have a topic or a guest or subject that you want us to talk about please do get in touch and send in your suggestions. Thanks for joining us on today's show. As mentioned at the beginning, if you are struggling with mental health, please do seek further assistance. Here's who you can get support from. Lifeline, Beyond Blue, Fitzier, and the Black Dog Institute.